everyone, welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is May 19, 2021, and this is episode 69. I am Sarah, and I am here with Tyler. How are you? Nice. You're nice? Yeah. Interesting. Are you nice because you did stuff this week? Yeah. A yeah. Little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to chat about your endeavors? Uh, sure. I get on with that, I guess. So, um... For those that don't know, I like movies, <laughs> but I have not watched a lot of them this year, to be honest. I mean, for several reasons, obviously, there hasn't been as much of a selection, you know, not going to theaters kind of dampers the enjoyment a little bit, but I have seen some good movies this year. But in the past, um, even less than a week, actually, I'd say in the past four days or so, I've actually watched three new movies. Um, by new, I mean, like, actually new movies that came out in 2021, not just, like, stuff I've gotten around to watching. But um, one of them I did kind of watch with you. I mean, we listened to it in bed uh on the tv but um the other two i actually like watched with other people but um other people your mom <laughs> yes <laughs> well, yeah, we need to spell out spell it out just say it she's your movie buddy yeah uh so how should i so out of the three movies uh very different experiences for all three they're they weren't they weren't like the same genre of films or anything so how should i go with this worst to best or best to worst what do you think mm, worst to best Okay, that's easy. So, where's the bet? Okay, so uh, I think it was, yeah, last Friday, the 14th, um, Netflix uh, released a new movie that was supposed to be in theaters. This movie's got kind of an interesting history. I'll get into that in a second, but just the, burying the lead here, the movie, the worst movie I've seen out of three so far uh, was, uh, it's called The Woman in the Window. It was, uh, it's a Netflix, I think it's a Netflix exclusive because it was supposed to be in theaters. Sorry, it was supposed to come out in 2019 in theaters and then, um, they had to do a bunch of rewrites because apparently test audiences hated the screenings, so they brought new person, like new screenwriter in, did some rewrites, maybe some reshoots, um, and then it was supposed to come out I think early 2020, but then COVID kind of sidelined it, so again it got delayed till this year, and then at some point now with you know theaters being the way they are to this point 2021, they decided screw it, put it on Netflix, just whatever. Um, so it doesn't give you the greatest track record for a movie like that when it has that yeah, much not, really, not much confidence yeah but that being said i mean i knew the director and the screenwriter a lot of good actors in the movie and actresses so i thought you know I mean, it's a netflix movie i'll give it a shot it's um it's sort of well, i shouldn't say sort of it's very clearly modeled after rear window which is a classic hitchcock movie but oh, i don't okay. know no, but, not quite. um yeah there's a lot of similarities between and now apparently this is based on a book um the author was not one of the screenwriters or anything so it was obviously adapted but yeah it was based on a book probably like a bestseller they're all they're all bestsellers right it's always, <laughs> always hyping up buzz but um anyways it, i mean it wasn't an overly long movie i think it was probably around, right around the two hour mark um it didn't really drag for me at all but yeah. it just it, the movie was just kind of meh i mean it it started out kind of promising it, it's basically a woman played by amy adams she's an agoraphobic which for those that don't know means she basically like, she's afraid of i don't know if it means like you're afraid of the outsiders afraid of like open spaces but she basically wouldn't leave her apartment or her house, I should say. I think she owns a house in in, in the. It's like an expensive old like New York style house. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so she owns this huge house. She has a tenant who lives in her basement. Um. Who's played by Wyatt Russell? Who, for those who watched, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier recently, he was the new Captain America. And that, or sorry, oh my gosh, Captain America. It was called the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, not Captain America. He was Captain oh. America. I got confused for a second. There. The guy who played Captain America and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is her tenant. I think his name was David, if yes. I remember correctly. Yeah. What was the main, what was Amy's name? The main actress. I don't Can't? No, that was, was the other it, movie. What was the, what was the, actor, the character's name? I'll think name? while you talk. Yeah, it's going to bug me. 
But um, anyways, she, long story short, without getting into too much details of the plot, she witnesses a murder across the street from her building, which is, again, very reminiscent of Rear Window, for those who have seen or heard of that Hitchcock classic. And it's one of those cases where she... Now, the one thing I like, like I said, and this is where, like, the whole unreliable narrator thing comes in. Um, being in the movie, like I said, um, you know, obviously, she's an agoraphobic. She, she lives alone in her apartment. She apparently talks to her strange husband on the phone. That's how the movie kind of opens. But other than her little sessions with her psychiatrist, who I believe does like a home home sessions with her, he comes to her house to the psychiatry sessions. Other than that, she doesn't really have any exposure with the outside world. Um, so when the neighbor new family moves in across the street, and then apparently the wife of the new neighbors comes over, and her and play with Julianne Moore, and then her and Amy Adams have this like little bonding thing, or drink some wine at night and have some <laughs>, laughs talking about their families and stuff. And but then she, so Julianne Moore's character apparently is one that she that Amy Adams witnesses her getting murdered across the street by apparently her husband. She thinks is who is played by Gary Oldman in this case. But so it's one of those cases. And then so like I said, the cops come to investigate, and then when the husband comes over and he says, "Oh, you've never met my wife," and then he introduces, and the wife is being played by a different actress. So at this point, you're like, okay, so is Amy Adams' character unreliable? Because you see her taking a lot of medications and she drinks a lot. So you're, and already they've laid that seed of doubt as, you know, did she actually see this happen? Or was she like, you know, on medication? Was she hallucinating? Was she having a dream? So I won't spoil the ending. Although let's just say, I think it ended very poorly. And when I read up about it afterwards, apparently, like I said, the original ending was obviously rewritten because test audiences didn't like it. So they put in this new ending, which is very cliche, very Hollywood ending. You know what I mean? Mm. And so that's where it kind of fell flat for me. I did like this sort of twist, if you want to call it that, towards the last third of the movie where you find out don't why. Don't give away I'm a not. twist. I'm saying you find out why she's an agoraphobic. That's oh, all I'm going to say. okay. That was interesting, I guess, the way that was done. But I don't know. The movie just ended kind of meh, and apparently it's getting terrible reviews. I don't even know what the Rotten Tomatoes is, but it's low. Yeah, it just, it wasn't, I'm not going to rewatch it again. There's really no point. Amy Adams was great in it. All the actors were fine. It just, I don't know. It was just kind of meh for me. Yeah, this is the one I listened to. Yeah. And I stayed awake the whole time, so that, I guess <laughs> held my interest enough. But yeah, like it, I think I had a higher review of it than you. But it's, yeah, I wouldn't watch it again or anything, but yeah, like, it was good enough. Again, you listened to it, I watched it, yeah. so it didn't really do anything visually amazing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it was a good story. Yeah, it was okay. Um, next one I'll say. Um, okay, so this one, these next two, by the way, uh, that was an Netflix one. The next two movies I'm going to talk about, I actually rented them on the Cineplex store. With the real monies. Yeah, but what, it was cool. So in this case, the, the next one I watched um, came out on, I think it was HBO Max. Uh, so it wasn't in theaters. Uh, it came out on HBO Max in early, sorry, late January. I think it was last week of January. And uh, it's called The Little Things. It's um, stars Denzel Washington. Uh, Rami Malek and Jared Leto and it's a sort of like your classic cop murder mystery thing like Denzel Washington's character plays a, like a former I think a former LA detective who now is like working as a deputy uh, like in a smaller town in California and he goes back to LA to pick up some evidence for a case he's working on then he realizes that there's a bunch of like a, well they think there's a serial killer on the loose in LA so a bunch of women have turned up in the same manner recently eh? so um so he, he becomes interested in the case again because he had a similar case like I think 10 years ago in the movie or something where he also couldn't catch a killer and he thinks it might be the same guy because the MO is the same. So, you know, it's, it's one of those movies where it's it's got a lot of, if you've seen a lot of cop or, or uh, murder type, mystery type movies before, it's got a lot of cliches. The plot doesn't do anything amazing. It's very straightforward. But there's kind of a reason for that too is that this script was actually written originally back in the 90s. 
by the oh. same director, but he couldn't get the funding or the actors behind the project initially. And then he got busy with a bunch of other, he's done a, a lot of, of other films. So it's not like he's a new director or anything, but he finally, I guess, had time in the last couple of years to say, okay, I can finally put this film together that I wanted to. So, and clearly like he, he could have obviously updated the script for modern day. Like the movie never explicitly states, there's no like mm. dates or, or title credits to show that it's set in the nineties, right. but you know, it is because characters are using pagers. Everybody oh, uses, everybody uses pay, everybody uses pay phones. There's no yeah. cell phones in the movies. So you're like, okay, it's definitely dated for the nineties. Um, which is fine. It works for the aesthetic of the film. It doesn't harm it at all. Um, but yeah, again, I'm not going to get into spoilers in this movie. It was definitely better than the other movie I just mentioned. But uh, again, this was a movie that was pretty straightforward. I really enjoyed the acting. Like Denzel was great, as he always is. Uh, Rami Malek, those who don't know who I'm talking about, he was he played Freddie Mercury in the new or the most recent Bohemian Rhapsody film. Mm-hmm. He's also in that show, Mr. Robot, which I've heard is really good. On like Showcase or I'm not, sure, not sure what channel it's on. Anyway, he's a he's a good actor, and he he was really good in the role too, uh, as playing basically Denzel's partner for this case. Um, but the biggest uh, takeaway, I guess, from this film, good or bad, is Jared Leto's character. Oh no! So he plays the suspected serial killer. I think his name is in the movie. His character name is Albert Sparma. And when Denzel goes to sort of investigate, he suspects him, like because one of the women that was murdered um, earlier in the film, her. Her fr- she lived in a like dumpy apartment building and her fridge was out of service or something. So apparently they called a repairman in to fix the fridge. Um, but the uh, appointment got canceled for whatever reason. Well, I think the appointment got canceled because the woman, obviously, the tenant got killed. So they canceled the appointment because there's no point for him fixing the fidge- fridge now. But just given the circumstances and, and what the apartment kind of looked like, uh, Denzel's character suspects the repairman might have something to do with it. So when he goes to investigate all the repair areas, repair businesses in the area, um, he kind of comes across Leto's character and finds him very odd <laughs> for many reasons. Because let's just put it this way. Leto plays his character very odd. That's <laughs> not something out of the ordinary for him. He does that in all of his movies. Yeah. Even if you look at his last three main roles between this, um, Blade Runner 2049 and Suicide Squad, he's played three very weird roles, very different roles. But he definitely goes 110% every time. And that's not always a good thing. Like in this movie, I feel like he did a great job playing a creepy... Although like... They never, they never, they portray his character actually as being very smart in this film. Like he's playing the cops. There's several times where they think they have him, or they're trying to like investigate his apartment while they trick him to go somewhere else. And then he, he, you know, he calls in like uh, he knows they're at his at his apartment building, so he'll call the cops there on like a a shooting charge. Like all the cops will show up, and but so I don't know. They portray his character as being clever, but in the movie he just comes across as like super weirdo, like. Like, or, like it's over the top like you know there's ways to do that character in these kind of movies where they can be smart and kind of and ruthless at the same time but not be just like obviously like they, the movie doesn't do really a case of trying to say like this guy didn't do it okay. like you almost it's almost like too easy for you to think like he is the one but i'm not going to spoil the ending but let's just say something happens and um the movie doesn't give you that resolution about whether oh. he was the killer or not it's up to you to, to, to make the connection uh, on, on the clues you've been given so far in the film. I really like the screenplay a lot. Um, visually, again, it was okay. Nothing crazy. Um, soundtrack, I don't remember it at all. Um, yeah, it was it was a good film. Like, it was um, it's a good way. Like I said, I rented it for, I think it was $6.99 on the Cineplex store. So, I mean, cost of a rental base if you're going to go to a video store or something. Like, it's obviously cheaper than seeing it in a theater. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good way to pass a couple hours. Um, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I'd watch it again, honestly. Although I really did enjoy Denzel's performance, but it wasn't one of his best. Um, yeah, so it was good. The little things. Like I said, that was the name of it. 
Next one, though, definitely the best one of the bunch. Um, this one just came out on Friday, also on May 14th. This was a brand new release on the Cineplex store, which means it's a full $25.99. <laughs> um, luckily, I was able to cut that cost in half, so I had some scene points I could redeem, so I had to pay like 12 bucks for this rental. But um, and for those that don't know, it's kind of cool, too, with the Cineplex store, if you rent a movie, um, you have 30 days to watch it, like to start it. Once you, oh. once you start it, um, you have 48 hours to rewatch as many times as you want. You watched it twice? I did. Yeah, I saw it once by myself and once with my mom. So, yeah, I watched it twice. So, it's kind of cool that, you know, if, even though you're, you're thinking, man, I got to pay like 25 bucks to watch a movie. That's a lot. But if you really like the movie or if you want to show it to other people, you can get like two or three or maybe more viewings out of it in a 48-hour window, right? So Account sharing. Yeah, right? But anyways, uh, this one is based on a no- ad- adapted from a novel that I read last year. I think the novel came out in 2012 or something. But anyways, I read the novel last year. Really enjoyed it, and they had the same screen. The screen, same author was brought on as a co-screenwriter for the for this movie. So you know that's, that's I like that. I like when they do that because obviously then you can retain the author's vision, maybe context. Yeah, you can edit out. Obviously, anytime there's a novel adaptation, you're always going to edit something out. Mm-hmm. But you hopefully the core plot is still there. So, anyways, this movie was called Those Who Wish Me Dead. Um, stars book, book the same name. Yes, exact same name. Um, stars Angelina Jolie, which is cool because you don't get to see her in these kind of roles anymore for a long time. Um, Angelina Jolie, um, Nicholas Holt, Aiden Gillen, John Bernthal. I'm trying to think who else did it. And I, I apologize, I didn't write down the kid's name, but I think the, there was a, there was a the, the movie mainly focuses around a child actor because the main plot is about a teenager who um, is, like, without spoiling too much of the plot, like, at the beginning of the movie, like this kid and his dad go on the run because the dad is like a forensic accountant and he you know whatever he was investigating the movie's very vague about certain parts of the plot they don't go into too much detail but his dad investigated something and these two assassins are after them like they've already killed the district attorney so obviously they're working for either like someone in the government or like a, a you know a cd mob boss or something but um these assassins are trying to hunt the hunt the, the father and the son down so the they ambush them on the side of the road like shoot, shoot the car off the road this is like in set like near montana i believe so it's like rural montana right so car crashes dad gets killed kid has to escape like the reason they were driving to Montana was because the dad was going to meet up with his brother-in-law, who was a, a sheriff, and hide the kid there. So when the car crashes, the kid's sort of on his own in the wilderness. So the kid comes across this fire tower in the middle of like, rural Montana, and that's where Angelina, Angelina Jolie's character is. Her name's Hannah, and she's a, uh, she's a former smoke jumper. But being the movie opens with her like them, her and her crew dropping in on a fire, like a forest fire. And unfortunately, the they read the wind wrong, and the fire turns. And you know, long, long story short, these kids end up dying in this fire. So it kind of like haunts Angelina Jolie throughout the film. She has sort of PTSD about it and nightmares and stuff. So she's apparently physically unfit for the job. So that's why she's stuck in this watchtower now, just doing the whole radio thing. But long story short, kid meets up with her, tells her the story about being on the run from these two assassins assassins track them down from that point on the home movie's like this cat and mouse thing about the assassins trying to track down the kid and angelina trying to help the kid escape and the sheriff's involved so it's really good it's a very, it's a very to me it's a very straightforward this felt like a 90s movie too like mm-hmm. the first like the other movie i just talked about but in a good way i like these straightforward 90s thrillers you always used to get where the plot was very simple you only had like five or six actors nothing crazy going on in the film right it's just a very straightforward plot but if it's well written which this was it's good it really lets the lets the movie breathe and you know, you get invested in the characters, and like I said, it, it it was very true to the book. They made some changes, some I disagreed with, and some I thought were okay for the sake of time related. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. Like I said, I watched it twice. I would watch it again. I would recommend it to anybody. Maybe you know, I understand if you want to spend twenty five bucks on it, but if it comes on Netflix at some point, or even if you rent it on rent it later on this year for like six seven bucks, mm-hmm. definitely worth a watch. So those who wish me dead, give it a shout or give it a shout, give it a watch. Go check out the trailer. Maybe you'll be interested. I don't know. 
if you've played Firewatch the game, it looks like Firewatch the game. <laughs> I, don't think many, I don't think many people have played Firewatch. It's kind of a vague reference Aww. nowadays. I mean, that movie that game came out like what five, six years ago. Like, Maybe. Yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. So I talked about those movies a lot longer than I expected to. So want to get into the main topic now. It's gonna be video game related tonight. So like I said, if you're not into video games for every reason, apologize. Good and dog. See you next week. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean this won't be a crazy topic. It's just it's something that um, so. And I actually thought about it the other night because you, by you, I'm pointing at Sarah. You <laughs> were uh, you the listener? Yeah, were playing. <laughs> yeah. Sarah was um, playing Donkey Kong Country two the other night, which is on Super Nintendo. For those that don't know, um, I'm that, playing on the Switch, but yeah, yeah, but it's a Super Nintendo game from the '90s. So, anyways, and I, I played played the heck out of it when I was a kid. I'm sure you did too. Oh yeah, I mean for every sure. every kid who had a Super Nintendo back then played it, but. Um, so you were playing it yesterday, and um, and I know I know this from past experience playing those games. Um, they can be very frustrating as, as a platformer, whether it's the 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 levels on rails, like the roller coaster level, mm-hmm. minecart levels, or the um, or even just the general anything involving water, like the underwater or the flying oh, levels, yeah. it can be a little tricky. Anyways, I '90s platformers were built that way, yes. sort of intentionally. Like they were built tough because those games weren't super long, yeah. so developers wanted to try and milk the most out of you. So you know. If you die a lot, I mean, obviously these games had save points, so it's not mm-hmm. like you had to start over over from the beginning every time. But there'd be a lot of times you die or get frustrated because the game the game might feel unfair the way some of the. But it's all about sort of memory and trial and error. Oh, sure. You're, you're going to learn how the levels are, are based. But long story short, what I want to talk about tonight, topic wise, is besides Donkey Kong Country, which we've already established, give me some examples of some other games you've played recently or even not recently, if you remember them from your childhood. Games where you really hit a roadblock, like you just. You got so frustrated with the game that you either had to step away from it for a while, or maybe even like lower a difficulty just to kind of get mm. through it. Can you think of some specific, specific uh, examples? Um, the first one that came to mind was actually another Donkey Kong game. <laughs> it was Donkey Kong sixty four, mm. and I'm not sure. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this right, but um, you get to a level in that game where you actually have to beat the first three levels of the original Donkey Kong game uh, to progress the game. And I, when I was a kid, I just was terrible at Donkey Kong. Like, I couldn't beat Donkey Kong to progress the story. And I got really mad. I had to put it away for a couple of weeks and come back to it, like, fresh and be like, just kind of reset myself. And I eventually did beat it. But then at the end of the game, I think we rented it and I had to give it back eventually. So that was sad. Um, so I never fully beat that game. But that was a game. I really loved that game, and I was sad that I had to put it away for a couple of weeks because it's stupid original Donkey Kong. If you want to think, I'm trying to think of more recent ones. Um, I remember, I don't know how many years ago it is now. When I, I probably played this game four or five years ago, but uh, the original Watch Dogs on PlayStation 4. I mean, I think it came out on PS3 as well, but I think I played it for the first time on PS4. The first Watch Dogs game has a really annoying final mission, like final story mission. It's one of those like typical open like Grand Theft Auto has. I don't remember if Red Dead Redemption had a mission like this. I mean, obviously that's a different style of open world game, but most open world games, especially towards the end of the game, will have one of those missions where it's like, okay, like you're being chased. In this in this case, in Watch Dogs, being a modern game, you're being chased by a bunch of cop cars and like helicopter and stuff like that, and then you're and you're you're in your car and you're trying to get to like. I think at this point, the final mission, if I remember correctly, you had to go through a bunch of different checkpoints to kind of get to the end of this mission. And of course, you have like 50 cop cars chasing you and helicopters. And of course, if your car takes too much damage, you fail the mission and it's time based. There's just so many things going on. And it's one of those ones where it's, um, 
yeah, like you're going to fail it a lot of times and go back and you're going to learn the patterns of driving in that game is terrible. Right. So it's like when you're on a time limit and you got, if, if you know, if, the, if the, all the cop, car, cop cars box you in or, or, or pit you and run you off the road, you basically got to restart anyways. I remember doing that mission like a half a dozen times at mm-hmm. least. And I was to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like, because I don't think in that game it was really like, uh, I don't think you could turn down the difficulty. It wasn't that type of game. Mm-hmm. So I think you just had to kind of power through it. But I had to take a break definitely and come back another day instead. See, that's the funny thing about that is, I, and I never would have believed this when I was a kid, but I learned it young uh, early on in my teenage years is that, um, you, you can be very stubborn when you're playing a video game and think that I'm going to keep plugging through and doing this mission like 10, 15 times till I get it done. But at some point, you know, mentally, you're just not focused anymore mm-hmm. because you're so angered mm-hmm. that you're not really, yeah, you're, you're rushing through things or you're just taking shortcuts. And so really the best thing to do, as per my personal experience, is take a breath, step away from the game for even an hour or even till the next day. If you come back, I guarantee you'll probably be in your first couple of tries. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, I wish you would do that more in your life. Oh, another aspect of final <laughs> video games. Just... No, I mean, that's like a baseball. If you get mad at somebody in baseball, I, I do. I was gonna say in baseball, I, an example. Like, yeah, if I get really frustrated, like at a, for an MLB the Show mission where I have to hit like two home runs in a mm-hmm. game. Let's say I try like twenty times, I start getting angry. Then yeah, I'll you'll beat up your brand new chair. Okay. <laughs> uh, usually, what I'll do is I'll shift away. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll say I'll drop in that mission for now, and I'll go do like a pitching mission or something. Because pitching mm-hmm. missions, you can just kind of shut your brain off. They're very mindless, and you can just sort of grind through that while you're watching TV or listening to something else. And then I'll go back to the hitting moment later or the next day. But you are right. There were times in MLB 20. I've, I've been pretty good, pretty good about 21. Mm-hmm. There's been times in MLB the Show 20 where I definitely lost my control, <laughs> self control. Uh, I got frustrated, but. Uh, if you want a more recent example, mm. um, I have two of them. I, I learn as I get older, I just have to write off some genres of video games. I'm just too old, don't have the reflexes or the eyeballs to do it anymore. One of them is uh, like roguelikes. I'm just so bad at Twitch actions. It's probably age, you know, but I don't uh, Crypto the Necrodancer. It's like, a, um, okay, I would link to the past kind of isometric view. But you have to move in time with the music to kill the enemies. And the music is so good that you'd want to keep playing. But I'm stuck on the first level of that game. And I've played it so many times for so many hours. And I can't beat the first level because I'm just so bad. I can't think that fast. So I'm so sad that I have to like write this off totally. And pretty much most other things in this genre, I'm just not good at it. Um, actually, I thought of another example. Um, number two, Shovel Knight. <laughs> yeah, I know you're laughing. I love Shovel Knight. I, Shovel Knight is a great game. I loved it until the ending. I beat it. Why can't you Are beat you, it? <laughs> I am just. They th- I made it through the whole game until the boss rush at boss rush at the end, and I cannot do it. Like, Wait, so you never beat a Mega Man game when you were younger? No, they, 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 all, they all did the same thing with the boss rush. I know. Yeah. I love watching their speed runs and I love listening to the soundtracks on Spotify, but boy, am I terrible playing them. I bought them all because I'm like, I can do this now. I'm older. I understand all these things and I just return them all because I'm just so bad. Um, and last but not least, uh, for most recent examples, would be any Souls game. Of course. Yeah. Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne is also Souls. Um, I... I'm just not good at patterns, like learning patterns of things. Being patient. Like being patient, parry, dodge parry, rolling, pairing. Yeah. yeah. I'm just not good at that anymore. And I keep buying those games because I, I figure I'm wiser, but I'm not. I have an interesting, interesting example of that. 
would work for both of us. I know we've both played this game. Both of us also played it when we were much younger. Oh, I think I know what's coming. What do you got? Final Fantasy X? Yes. Lady in Alaska? That was one. Yeah. Yep. For several reasons. And the biggest problem with that boss fight, I think that happens halfway or like two-thirds into the game, it's maybe? It's pretty... Yeah, maybe. it's like a turning point. Okay. Um, yeah, that fight can definitely catch you off guard um, for several reasons. But the biggest thing that used to annoy me was losing that fight... And then when you go back to your save point, you have to watch the whole yes, cutscene all over again. That. And that's it's a, such long, a long cutscene. So annoying. And it's eventually so I was like, uh, yeah, it's. And there's I, no skipping the cutscenes. Right. It's bloody yeah. terrible. There was, there, you're right. There was that one. And there also for me, and maybe not as big as that one, but a bit earlier in the game, maybe a the third. Seymour. Yeah. You got me. You read my mind. There you go. Yeah. The Seymour the fight. on the ice. When you're on like the edge of the mountain yes. or something. Yeah. 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 That was also a... That's like the first big boss fight that's yeah, tricky. Yeah, and chant challenges your party. But, yep. So, I mean, that's why I don't play a lot of RPGs because I get so afraid. I don't, I'm not the kind of guy who likes to go... I know you like to mindlessly grind in RPGs. Yes. I like to play the game at an organic pace. And then yeah. if all of a sudden I hit a huge uh, hit a huge wall in the game where it's like, okay, I'm obviously under-leveled for this boss mm -hmm. or I need to go back and do some more side missions, I kind of just lose all appeal of... I can totally see that. Yeah. Where, like, that's what I love about RPGs is, like, the difficulty... Well, doesn't usually ever stop you because there is usually a way to grind past it. It may take a few hours, but you can get that. You can brute force your way through it. I think of a few more recent examples for games. This is kind of what I alluded to at the beginning of this topic. A couple of times I play games where I really was tempted to lower the difficulty. I do it a bunch. Um, <laughs> like near Automata, I yeah. did that recently. So I remember specifically playing. Uh, I played all the Crisis games. Mm. Um, Crisis one and two were pretty good. Like I usually play, for context here. I usually play most shooting games on normal or whatever the average difficulty is. I don't go to the high or super high ones where it's like you want a challenge. I'm like, no, I don't want to die in one <laughs> shot every time. I want to play at a normal pace where like I, I have a challenge, but it's manageable. If I die once in a while to a boss, that's fine. I just don't want to be like, you know, if, if it's a cover shooter. Like like I I hate playing a Call of Duty game on anything other than the normal difficulty because you play on higher difficulty like first off you're always going to die to snipers it's like a given in those games or grenades but also like it's one of those games like you you, you don't play call of duty games to like run from cover to cover that's like a gears of war thing if, mm. you, if you're playing that way in a call of duty game which you have to on the higher difficulties mm -hmm. i don't find that fun i mm -hmm. want to just like run and gun mm -hmm. get through the story so i'll play on, i'll play I'll always play on the default normal difficulty when i was playing crisis 3 specifically i remember <laughs> hitting a wall a couple times in that game because at some point midway through the game this is much of a spoiler they introduce these alien enemies that can go invisible and like camouflage and i found that super frustrating because um i don't know i just i for some reason i could not adapt to it i it totally changed the whole game gameplay style of the game and i just to that point i was i, I would die so many times to these enemies because they would either just flank me and i wouldn't know where they are or I'd be fighting them and then, like, you know, another uh, group of them. I, I think there was an issue in that game, too, with, like, the way enemies would spawn in. Okay. It was very frustrating. So I was really tempted. I can't remember if I, I honestly can't remember if I did or not. I know I beat that game. I may have dropped it down one yeah, like easy. Yeah, the club. I, I can't say for the 100% certainty, but I feel like I probably did. And then another another recent example is, um, and both of these games have the same problem, but the second one especially, the recent Wolfenstein games. Okay, you know, Wolfenstein, yes. uh, New, was it New Order, New and, Order Old and Old Blood. Blood. Yeah. Um, Wait, is that what they were called? New Blood yeah. and Old... No, or, yeah, that has to be, because the other yeah, one sounds okay. weird. So, I remember the first Wolfenstein being really tough, but I think I still powered through that on normal difficulty. The second one, though, especially, oh my goodness, I'm pretty sure I had to drop <laughs> down easy. And everybody knows this is one infamous level in the new Wolfenstein game where uh, your main character, you know, you get arrested or something by the Nazis, and you end up in a courthouse, and then you escape from the courthouse, but you have to have this huge shootout to get out. And it is... If you look up any article in the last, like, five years, every publication out there will say it's one of the hardest 
poorly designed levels in any oh, shooter. No. It's just like even if you're playing normal difficulty, it's almost impossible to survive without luck or trying like a million times. Oh. It was so frustrating. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was, I cannot imagine it was intentional level, t- intentional level design. I'm thinking the developers just didn't have time to tweak that particular mission, but that was a, a really sour my, I really enjoying the game up to that point. It right. really soured my, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't end up finishing the game. But like I said, I had to suck up my pride, drop the difficulty <laughs> down and be like, screw it. I'm getting through this. So I'm not one of those guys that likes to get near the end of a game and be like, you know, I'm just going to give up and watch any on YouTube. I don't oh, like doing that. Yeah, I, like, I have a thing against watching yeah. on YouTube. I can't do it. I, I, I would rather drop the difficulty and just organically yeah, finish the game. I don't same. care if I lose a trophy or an achievement in the oh, process. Oh, I care, but well, I know I'll you do would, it. but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I'll do new game plus. It's fine. I mean, y- y- this topic could obviously apply to a number of just scenarios. Anytime a game has a timed mission, it mm. obviously can be very frustrating. Um, usually, most games involving underwater levels Ooh. can be frustrating given the mechanics Grr. and. The, um, but yeah, like r- racing games in general, I always usually hit a wall in, in a racing game of some kind, whether it's a Need for Speed game or even like a Forza Horizon game. There'll always be something. Now, usually with racing games, though, I will not suck up my pride and drop difficulty. No. I will be stubborn with those. Um, some levels just do demand of perfection. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, especially. I love that game, but yeah. a couple of the missions near the end of the game, if you're doing the campaign, like the, the racing missions. Yeah. And like most races in that game will take like five six seven minutes there's a couple races in the end of that game that take you like 20 25 mm-hmm. minutes and if you don't get in first you fail yeah that annoyed me because if i have to spend an hour of my time <laughs> on one race and i keep getting me second every time yeah. i'm really gonna the, the controller is gonna be in danger so <laughs> danger, danger now now that is one thing i'll say about having a ps5 now yeah. i am very nice with my controller you when beat i up the desk when i had when i had ps2s especially and even ps3s oh i was gosh. i was not kind of the controller i remember <laughs> going to your house for the first time and there was holes in your walls and you're just like okay, yeah, there was a fine. Case, there was one hole in the wall and it, it was, was a big and hole i covered it with my laundry hamper so you didn't see it <laughs> i somehow found I, it. I did have a basket of full of broken controllers yeah though. you did i remember and we moved with him i'm like why are we bringing these with us for nostalgia <laughs> no they are long gone now oh man First, um, i i had thought of one more thing okay good a genre that uh i think you can um i think you can reminisce with me um two songs green grass and high tides Ugh. and delve down to georgia yep <laughs> yep already getting ptsd just when you mentioned those yep. Those songs, okay. So, Devil Went Down to Georgia was Guitar Hero Three, mm-hmm. and Green Grass and High Tides was Rock Band One, mm-hmm. and they were the last songs in, in those campaigns. Um, boy, they were hard, they, and it, I, I had to put it away for like weeks to be able to come back with a fresh perspective. And I beat them both in the same day when they came back. And it was lovely. It was a great day. There was definitely dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and that's the thing too, right? You you, you have these frustrating missions or, or songs you know races or every whatever genre you're playing but yeah when you beat them though especially if you come back the next day and beat something you just have that euphoric feeling yeah. of accomplishment 100 sometimes if you power through when you're being stubborn it, it, it can work but if you power through and beat something usually you're just not in the right mood anyways you're just no. like good screw it move on to the next thing and you're like i'm gonna skip this cutscene. i don't care anymore i'm so angry but you <laughs> like, know what's funny i when i last year when i was looking at the games i beat last year i'm like how many of these games did i enjoy mm. i beat most of these games out of me getting frustrated at them and needing to prove to myself that i can beat them right yeah, well, to add on to your last point there, why do you think I only played two games, really? I play Apex and MLB because even though I can get frustrated with those games, the good outweighs the bad. Like, I'll have 80% yeah. 
Yeah, eighty percent good experience is twenty percent frustrating, which is I fine. I'm fine with that ratio. <laughs> I was gonna tell you today. I was, I was gonna ask if you saw that the Last of Us Two PS Five patch is coming. Oh, I did. I was wondering if you'd replay that now. Uh, I, I don't know if you could fit it in your rotation. I'm not in any rush to replay it. Maybe later this year for sure. But yeah, I, I would definitely love to play through it again, especially now that it would look prettier. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, that, that's cool. They just kind of like stealth dropped that today as a free update for PS Five people. Um. Anybody who hasn't played the game already, I would definitely recommend. I mean, if you haven't played Last of Us 1 for crying out loud, please play that first. You obviously. don't have to. It's fine. No, you have to. No, you, you don't. I don't care if you skip all the Uncharted games in the world. That's fine. I love the Uncharted games, but I'd rather you play Last of Us and Last of Us really? 2 than play any Uncharted game. Yeah. Do you think you don't like... This is totally an aside now. <laughs> okay, we're off topic, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you liked Last of Us because it's like only got the two entries and it hasn't soured you or because Uncharted went for four no, games? No, it's just very, it's just a very different experience. I mean, Last it's of Us older is, too. Last of Us is so dark and depressing. Yes. It's more about the story and the characters. The Uncharted game... The, you love Nathan. Oh, I do. The voice acting in the Uncharted games is great. Mm. I, I do love the characters, and the stories are pretty good, but you can't really compare those story-wise to the Last of Us games. I like the gameplay in the Uncharted games. I like the whole you know indiana jones tomb raider mystery of all their adventures and, mm-hmm. and treasure searching that's cool but last uh, of us is meant to break you oh for sure yeah yeah you, you put you put that game down you kind of just like go cry in a corner or, yep or, you do it's definitely it's not for everybody i mean if you're not, the, you're not, not if you're not the right frame of mind by all means do not play last of us it's not a game that's going to bring your spirits up but it wasn't the grass to come out last year right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that being said it still obviously did well mm-hmm I think it'll get some sales back though now with this mm-hmm. patch for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to give the email shout out? Uh, so if there's any games out there that you got stuck in, wanted to throw your controller at the wall, uh, let us know. Uh, you can email us at when opposites react at gmail dot com. All right. Uh, and also, I do plan to. I already have a short list of three or four movies I want to watch this weekend. So I plan to talk oh about gosh. a few more movies next week. Yeah. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Two more I got to rent on the Cineplex store. I think they're really? like five bucks each. And there's one on Netflix. The one that just came out on Netflix. Actually, sorry. There might be four because I just remembered there's one that's on Netflix right now that I haven't got around to watching yet. There's two I got to rent on Cineplex. And then there's another one that's coming out to Netflix this Friday, oh. which is actually the new Zack Snyder film. It's the... Oh. Uh, oh, is it called Army? I don't know. Zombies, the title. right? It's a zombie one in Vegas. I think it's called Army Army of the Dead. Okay. Yeah, that looks really good. It's got good reviews too, so I'm excited. Oh, I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood to turn my brain off, and just watch a nice big zombie movie again. Cool. You know? Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm holding you to it now. Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about that next week. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, again, uh, as always, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate your support. Hope to be back again uh, to listen to us next week. Drop us an email. So we need a link earlier. And uh, yeah, stay safe out there, and we'll be back at the same time next week. Boys, bye. <laughs>